This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and today I'm joined by Alexa Forbes in Queenstown. Welcome. Thank you. Kia ora. How are you? How am I? How are we all? I'm doing very well. And the best news is that, is that swimming's going to be allowed under level three. Oh, that, that will be very happy making for you, I'm sure. <laughs> Has that driven you nuts, not being swimming? It has, but I built a, a what I'm referring to as a swimming machine. It's really just a pole with a couple of pulleys on it um, to, to try and get that the, the, the swimming angle right because just lifting the wrong weights the wrong way has no impact. So, yes, oh, that's I'm, hilarious. I'm going to be very happy about that. Oh, I shall, good on I, you. That's excellent. I'm very excited too. I'm going to. I'm, I'm assuming that my paddleboarding is allowed in the swimming. And the lake's a bit cold for swimming now, but paddleboarding, I'll be in. Yeah, I think the harbour's a bit cold too, but the pool's not open, so that's what's going to have to It'll do. Be the harbour. Mm, there we go. So, who have you got in your bubble? I've got my partner Sean Drader, who's working really hard at the moment. So am I. He's an intelligence analyst with the police up here, so his life's got really busy. And he's an essential worker, so he's in and out of here every day. And our son, uh, Solomon Trader, who he has, uh, he squeaked in from Japan three days before lockdown, managed to get, um, he'd been planning to stick out the whole um, disaster over there in Japan, but at the last minute decided possibly that wasn't wise and got on a plane home. What was he doing there? What was he doing in Japan? He was a ski instructor and was planning to carry on uh, and stay in Japan for the summer and then go somewhere else in the Northern Hemisphere for another ski instructing season, somewhere fabulous. So he's bailed and is, is at home? He's bailed. He's here. He's uh, doing a lot of cooking, and uh, which is great. I'm really enjoying. And he's uh, doing a lot of playing games and a lot of um, painting pictures with our specialist technology on, on the computer. That awesome. I'm quite enjoying what he's doing. That sounds fun. Hmm. And I'm working really hard uh, I've, uh, because I'm an ORC counsellor as well as my work with the Poly. Work with the Poly. I mean, isn't it a fabulous organisation, <laughs> Sam? We just, just go, oh, yeah, all right. Um, your assignment's due. <laughs> and carry on, as we always have on um, on Zoom. I mean, it's just uh, I, I, I've really enjoyed the fact that my uh, – Work life in terms of the poly just hasn't changed at all, hardly, except for showing a few more people how to use Zoom. But um, it's been that, so that's just continuing on as always because we work from home anyway and do all that. Uh, but work at ORC has uh, stepped up a few 
um, notches that's been really, really busy working on how we might actually get some function into our organization to take us forward and, and help people in some sort of recovery that has real conservation aspects to it, which I think we probably will get to. A lot of work in that, figuring out what's going on in Queenstown, how they, how they need help, how we as a council might be able to support that. And that's a lot of sorting through a lot of people's ideas. There's a lot of community organisations with all sorts of ideas of work that needs to be done. And now's a really good opportunity to do that work, but they're also not in the, in the structures or um, set up to actually employ a lot of people and things. So there's a lot of work to be done and I'm out there amongst it, which I'm quite thankful for really. So you're getting outside and getting some exercise? Yep, every day. Um, while the weather was beautiful, we had a couple of the first two weeks of, of lockdown, the weather was absolutely gorgeous and I'd, I'd work for, for a few hours in the morning and then my son and I would go for um, a good couple of hours wander because we walk out our door and there's three trails. We can go left around the lake, right around the lake or uh, straight ahead um, down to the river and around the river trails. So we were walking those for a couple of hours every day. It was just wonderful. But then um, they, were so, they got really crowded, got to this point where everybody else was thinking that was a good idea, just as we thought the social distancing um, probably needed to be taken seriously. And so we started walking on the roads where there weren't people. But we got into a really good phase of walking. But the last couple of days, the weather's been really cold and not so good. I've still been out every day, but not to the same extent. But mostly just walking and online um, online exercise classes. My yoga teacher is doing online classes. It's been pretty funny. The online Waiata has been hilarious. We've been carrying on our Waiata practice. I'm part of a Waiata group. And that's really funny because everything's delayed. So you end up actually having to turn off everybody's mics <laughs> and everybody's singing just <laughs> in their own madness. <laughs> the one person that's... <laughs> Somebody playing the guitar and that's the only thing you hear. So that's been pretty funny. I've actually videoed that just because for posterity because it's hilarious. <laughs> Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou ko tahuahau. I hope you're all having the most amazing day in your beautiful beloved bubbles and I'm so excited to have this time with you. I'm very grateful for the great privilege to have this time with you and indeed to be physically manifested at the same time as you all and be able to communicate with each other. I feel so lucky and so grateful. So in this very exciting time that we find ourselves in, in this time of great freedom and great exploration, I'm really looking forward to delving into one of our most helpful and most beautiful creations that we as a species of animal infinitely connected to all life throughout time and space forever have created. And that of course is our perception and our notion of time and I'm really excited to explore time with you right here, right now. And for me, this time that we find ourselves in is a real opportunity for us all to really explore and really unravel a lot of the long-held and well-loved concepts that we have created as a species of animal to understand our beautiful world. And of course, with time, time is a great unifier Time is one of the foundations of consensus reality, as we all know and love it. And we've 
mapped the entire globe. We've mapped our entire history of our universe. We've mapped every aspect of our lives almost that we can understand using this great tool of time. And something that we know if we want to get super duper scientific about it is that all the atoms and molecules that make up our beautiful bodies have existed since we began, since time began as we know it, since the universe erupted into being as we know it. And these atoms and these molecules and these particles are just recycled over and over and over through different forms. So we know that we are eternal and we know that we are beyond time in our essence. And so the very tool that unifies us in our conceptualization of it, the notion of time, also unifies us when we step beyond it and we go beyond time into the eternal. And I love this. I just think this is so amazing. And I think as a species of animal, being able to move between being really grounded and really enjoying structure and schedule and priorities and organization and consensus reality loving that and making that work for us is so important but also being able to step back from it remove the entangling tentacles that enmesh us with it in terms of identifying with it and building our sense of self from it taking a step back I'm really enjoying just diving into that knowledge of our eternal beings and knowing that we are beyond time and those constructions of time are just so helpful to us but we don't need to be emotionally enmeshed and dragged down by them. So something of course that I've been really loving doing in this time is really loving the freedom that this time is giving me in terms of making use of my day and my night and my time and my hours and seconds and milliseconds to really put together a schedule that works really well for me in terms of my working, my work at Orokanoi Eco Sanctuary, in terms of my time with my beautiful, beautiful beloved kittens and beautiful, beautiful beloved hey hey, the beautiful hens, my beautiful partner Harvey and my time for myself and making a space within the War Mansion where I have that time for myself and I really take a bit of a step back from that consensus reality and those conceptualizations of time and I go within to the eternal realm beyond time. And as we all know, we can access this realm of the eternal at any time that we choose. And many of us will have experienced it throughout our lives in different ways. When we're really creatively engaged, when we're really creatively fulfilled, when we're really in love, when we're really present with what's happening right here around us, when we're giving our full attention and our full being to what we're engaged with right here, right now, what we're doing, when we're using our living toolkit, our five senses, what can we see around us right now? What can we hear around us right now? What can we smell? What can we taste? What can we feel? You know, full engagement. That really helps us to move beyond time when we're really enjoying what we're doing for the joy of it, for the pleasure of it, for the spaciousness, for the freedom in it, rather than as a means to an end or rather than because we have to move on to the next thing and we feel the pressure of time. 
So I would just really encourage you to play and enjoy this sense of freedom in terms of your schedule with consensus reality. And I really hope that in this time you have the opportunity to engage with that real world where our inspiration for the creation of time came from and see that beautiful infinite cycle that surrounds us. New life emerging from the earth, budding, blossoming, fruiting, wilting, decaying, dying, returning to the earth to be born again. We see this beautiful cycle around us every single day. And I hope that in this time you can really enjoy feeling part of that cycle and finding freedom and spaciousness in how you use your time, the wonderful tool that it is. So thank you all for being born. Thank you all for being amazing. And I'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Kakiti. So you work at the, the Polytech. Grad Dip Sustainable Practice and Grad Dip Professional Practice Leadership for Change Focus. It's interesting. I find it interesting that for us, pretty much nothing's changed. And I really feel for the people who their teaching is large lectures and all of a sudden they are, you know, this, this thing of putting it online is a big challenge for them. Eventually they'll realise, I think, that the videoing the lecture is not the answer, that a more substantive change is necessary. Right, and, there, and there are substantive changes that are necessary. You know, the money that's tied up in bricks and mortar in New Zealand um, education it's just it becomes a huge barrier for a lot of people, especially if you want lifelong education. Um, and you know you're paying for what is it, sixty-six billion dollars in New Zealand tied up in education and in, in the bricks and mortar alone, massive. So what is it that you do, and for for your teaching? <laughs> what do I do? Um, okay. Uh, what I actually do on a day-to-day -day basis is I support learners going through their own transformative journeys, really, um, and that was the, the capable process of uh, seven or eight steps, and um, with huge uh, emphasis on critical reflection and emphasis on knowing themselves and what their place is in their system, understanding their system, systems thinking. Uh, and it's really the same for sustainable practice, professional practice, or Bachelor of Leadership for Change, really. And in Bachelor of Leadership for Change, I, I only work in the third year. I've only actually got one learner there. I'll have more this year, but it's um, I've sort of kind of in there because our third year, the third year of Bachelor of Leadership for Change is very similar to the grad dips. So they kind of work together as a community, which serves us very well because it widens that community. And it is about that. It's about making people think differently and based in your um, transformation mindset, basically, Sam. Uh, and um, having people bring their, their whole selves to this, their whole selves to their work and understanding what their own values and drivers are and where their, uh, where their decision making comes from actually comes from so i guess my day-to-day -day basis is, is supporting people through that journey they've got a series of tasks that they do and uh, i kind of help them think about how they might do it so i asked you for music suggestions 
And I'm going to play Chris Knox. Not given lightly. Yep, I love that song. Why is that special for you? Um, well, it was recorded a long time ago. What was it, 80s, early 80s, something like that? And I, I loved it then and I still love it. It's, it's, it's so much about the imperfections of love and just, just the, the messy old world that we're in. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Musically, I really love it as well. It changes tempo, it changes key. It's um, you know, whole time signature changes between the chorus and the verse, and and that's and you know as a musician myself, I, I just love the way that that does, that does that. His construction of the song is just magnificent, and of course it's all bittersweet because he had that terrible stroke a few years ago, and um, his musicality was was lost to us from that point really. So I I always and I always love that song for those reasons. It's morning, time to wake now Your body and mind Entwined, we'll have to break now But I want your flesh Your warmth to stay beside me Oh, how I wish You could be deep inside me Show me your eyes Your love most tender feelings and I'll give you mine be truthful and revealing cause it's you that I love and it's true that I love it's love not given lightly but I knew this was love and it's you that I love and it's more than what it might be when we're alone I cannot always face you Maybe my mood won't let these arms embrace you That doesn't mean my love somehow diminished Give me the time to show I love's unfinished Cause it's you that I love and it's true that I love and it's love not given lightly But I this was a love and it's you that I love and it's more than what it might be. I need your body, your mind and your emotions. Shed me your tears till I drown in your oceans. Cause it's you that I love and it's true that I love. It's love that I've given lightly. But I knew this was a love and it's you that I love. 
Misha's mother This isn't easy I might not write another But it's you that I love And it's true that I love And it's more than what it might be And I knew this was a love And it's you that I love And it's love not given lightly Cause it's you that I love And it's true that I love And it's love not given lightly But I knew this was a love And it's you that I love Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Hi there everyone out there in bubble land. Uh, this is Liesel saying hi, coming at you from my bubble, the old uh, Zooloftia. And uh, yeah, good to check in and um, see how you're doing. Hopefully things are going okay. This is a interesting exercise, isn't it, in how to how to take one day at a time. <laughs> that's that's how I'm doing it anyway. So yeah, my thoughts today were kind of around seasons actually, um, because the view that I have from my um, my place here in the downtown area actually has an amazing view of the sky, which um, I haven't had in my uh, living sort of space for quite a long time actually and I am loving just being able to see the sky and over the past few weeks or so just watching how quickly our sky changes as we probably all know it does in Dunedin 500 seasons in one day um, but actually just enjoying weirdly these kind of um, 500 seasons in one day coming through in the sky so while you're sort of trapped in your house and maybe sometimes the house seems quite small and uh, maybe you're growing a little tired of looking at the same four walls or 12 walls or however many walls you might have you've probably counted them all um, it's it's sometimes nice just to remind yourself to look up to look outside to look to the sky uh, regardless of what your view might be out your windows, you know, even just stepping out the door and having a look up, the sky is this amazing infinite space that obviously can um, is, is kind of a canvas that, that can give you a different picture every day. And I think when you are looking at the same things every day, it's nice to know that something's going to change. And one thing in Dunedin that we can almost guarantee for certainty is that the weather will change. 
and, um, and the sky is uh, kind of like I guess a weather canvas for checking out what art is happening today, what's happening in the sky, what's going on with those clouds, um, are those snow clouds because they definitely look like snow clouds to me, uh, or is that like another kind of summer coming at us, well summer, yeah did we did we really see summer this year, we, we ask ourselves, um, but I guess also the other part of all this is here we are in lockdown, uh, staying in our respective bubbles and we've got this whole seasonal transition going on from from summer to to winter and we've got this amazing autumnal leafy goodness going on that we're kind of missing out on as well like I know I I know it's easy to take these things for granted too when we're sort of walking around in our normal whatever normal life looked like uh, often we don't notice so immediately our seasonal changes but I know for me just going out once or twice every day for a bit of a constitutional wander around the block I am taking note of the leaves changing how many more leaves are on the ground what colours things are um, just how how autumn is happening without us and uh, looking beautiful and at one level we're not partaking in that but at another level it just reminds you that the world is uh, is getting on with doing its thing nature is getting on with doing its thing and this is a changing canvas for us so again I encourage you to enjoy the seasons from your home um, however that might be whether it's just taking a cheeky sneaky cheeky sneaky walk around the block or if it's just catching little glimpses of the sky every so often paying attention to that your day can be enhanced by just checking out those little things and like I said if you're finding it all a bit tedious and same same then the sky the seasons are never the same so have a look check it out enjoy that it's an ever-changing landscape well those are my thoughts for today and I hope you're all doing well take care of yourselves stay safe and until next time you've got a good view of the sky in your place got a beautiful view of the sky it's just magnificent it's a bit limited compared to the ocean view you know, mountains get in the way, but um, and so I always appreciate that when I come to Dunedin and see the big sky and across central Otago, the big sky, you can see so much more of it. But what we do see is magnificent. And sometimes, you know, even on a day that's going to become stormy, sometimes you walk out and there's the mountains and, and, and you just, uh, there's not a single cloud to be seen. And you know a storm's coming, but you may not even see a single cloud because it, it just comes, the sky changes so quickly here because we can't see very much of it, the mountains get in the way. But, and the colours are fantastic, the, the, you know, the morning sunrises I usually see, especially at this time of year when I'm out walking, and, uh, and in the evening the sunsets are just fantastic. I don't have a view of the lake, but I have a beautiful outlook to mountains and not a lot of trees. And I love the sky and how it changes. So your other job is regional council? Yeah, that's mad too. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it, it's a it's an interesting job, regional council. I, I got a, I stood for the regional council in the last local body elections, basically on a environmental platform. I, I knew all the water plan changes were coming up, 
and there was a lot of other plan changes that they needed to pay attention to that they hadn't paid, paid attention to for many years. We're coming to the end of deemed permits. I won't go through those, but if anybody knows what the deemed permits are, they're the 100-year water rights uh, that were just, just a disaster, really. And um, if, if farmers kept to their allocations, every river would run dry. But fortunately, they've managed it reasonably well themselves, and they haven't run the rivers dry. But the management of them needed to be re-looked at and that and it, that those permits run out in 2021 and in the 30 years of the regional council they failed to actually come to agreement to uh to make all that work so all, all of that work had crept up and that's that's really why i stood and we've just finished um our part in the body of work around those water changes or the first lots of it and uh we've asked the minister to call that call that in and it's been hugely controversial i don't know if people have been across it or not but it's been a major controversy for us, but the minister has called them in, so those plan means those plan changes will go straight to environment court level rather than having the uh, the process managed locally, which I think is a really good idea. We've failed to be able to manage them locally before, so I don't, can't see that anything's greatly changed. So that one's out of the way. So now we can start thinking about other things, and it's um it's really quite a different council now. There's uh there's quite a different leadership team. There's quite a few new faces around the council table. And uh, I, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to pull together and, and work in a more proactive way than the council has been doing so in the, in the recent past. So going to see how, that, how I get on with that one. I'm trying. What do you think is going to be the role of the regional council in the recovery? Oh, I, I think that we've got a big role to play and a big role that we should play. And I don't know, I hope I'm not out of turn in discussing it, but because we haven't actually discussed it as a council level yet, so everything I'm saying is only my opinion. But it's, um, I believe that there's a, a huge job to be done environmentally and in a conservation way, and those are our priorities. We are the agency responsible for the environment all the way from Dunedin right up to Makarora. So and and south to Belcalutha and then up past Omaru. So you know we we we're responsible for that environment, this magnificent environment from the headwaters of the of this area, Queenstown Lakes, right down to the to the sea. And uh, there's so much work to be done in that environment. So there's there's wild and pines, there's rabbits, there's pests, there's well those are all pests. There's the lack of siphon. There's all sorts of things to be done um, around uh, our pest management and cl and cleaning up our waterways and catchment management. Um, trail building. Uh, so the things that we're responsible for, we now have a perfect opportunity to have, have a go at, and we should have a go at. And there's a couple of other things that come to play. We have a lot of people that are going to be unemployed, especially around in, in, the, in, the, in the tourism sectors, especially in, in the Queenstown area, but also right through the district. Those people need re-employment. What I'm looking at and hoping for, and I know that Marion Hobbs is on board with us, and I think some of the other councillors are too, is ways that we can leverage a very strong balance sheet. You know, ORC's got a really strong balance sheet. It's got no debt. Uh, if we can leverage that um, balance sheet to actually pay a whole lot of people to do a whole lot of work that should be done, that's the high-level view of we should be able to manage that. And um, we are definitely talking about it. We have a meeting to talk about it. So we are going to be uh, looking at what we can do that way. But that's what our role is, is our role is definitely to pull together the people that can start to uh, make the environmental differences that we need made. From your perspective, do you think the council has moved from a 
economy versus environment position to one of integrated regeneration thriving all of those terms and what would if it hasn't what would we need to do to make that happen I don't think it has. I'd like to think it had, but in uh, my experiences around um, the water plan changes that we just had and the very public letter that went out um, from the seven councillors uh, wanting us to withdraw those or at least pull back on that water planning that is all in place to improve environmental outcomes. Uh, I, that to me was complete evidence that the council hasn't shifted from that position. We need to absolutely move towards a regenerative economy. It is completely um, my focus. It's also the focus of our chair, and I hope it's the focus of many of the councillors sitting around that table. It needs to be. And um, that should be our focus. In the legislation, that's our focus. Uh, the economic focus is, has, has got to be underneath the environmental one. Uh, you, you know, we've got um, without the, the strong, economy can only be a result of a very healthy environment in our in our region and that's that's got to be our focus if we get that environment right and that means regenerating it and it means a lot of changes and it means looking at waste differently looking it look, means looking at everything that we do differently I'm, i was really excited to see that amsterdam has, amsterdam has uh, adopted the um kate rayworth's donut economics framework for planning their city's recovery so i'll be watching how that gets on and that's uh if, if people aren't aware of that it's worth it worth a google to have a look amsterdam donut economics will bring up all sorts of articles brilliant one on uh, the resilience.org page but guardian's got it covered as well so it's, so it's all there but that will uh that will be a process to watch amsterdam has has committed to bringing its city out of this disaster into or maybe in, out of this opportunity into a place where they can live inside that donut which means it's inside that's its environmental parameters and making sure that people don't fall into the social hole of homelessness and uh, all those other things that happen when people aren't connected well into their communities aldous harding the barrel yeah aldous harding i mean I've chose her because I I just love what young New Zealand women are doing in music. <laughs> and I just think they're really, really exciting. I've seen her play a couple of times here at a marvellous venue we've got called the Sherwood, um, which brings um, all sorts of artists through it. It used to kind of be people you never heard of, but then suddenly everybody's heard of them after they've played at the Sherwood. It might be something about that, I don't know. And, they, uh, and then, I don't know, they've people like Aldous... Um, and of course, the wonderful Marlon Williams and Tammy. There's lots and there's lots and lots of wonderful musicians, and I just love seeing young musicians come through with really interesting music. And the cello in this is just fantastic. I feel. Child, I never knew enough what to do 
there's a nice line in there. When you have a child, so begins the braiding. In that braid, you stay. Isn't that isn't that amazing from a young person? Yeah, and then that's what we're doing at the moment. Absolutely, weaving and braiding, and uh, we need to find ways of weaving and braiding people's ideas and values and perspectives into a much much better delta than we've got. <laughs> Into a better braid, and that's that's my hope for coming out of this. But um, Aldous, she writes magnificent songs. Rahui Images by Andy Thompson, providing us with daily inspiration through the camera lens. See Andy's pictures on Andy Thompson Photography NZ Kia ora and welcome COVID-19 Rahui Images for April while we're in lockdown and this one's about, it's not about the camera. Yes it is. No it's not. Yes it is. No it's not. Yes it is. No it's not. Imagine if I came to your place for dinner and where you served amazing food and as we walked out the door I turned around and said, oh my god, you must have a great oven. Thank you for the great food. Yes, has anybody said to you, you must have a great camera if you took a great shot? Mmm, really? So, those people that are obsessed with equipment, well, I understand, because I probably am as well. And I like having the best and trying to give myself the cutting edge in regards to equipment. But, uh, all cameras are just machines, and they all have limitations, no matter how good a machine that you have. And, you can still take really, really crappy shots. So it's not about the camera. Um, whatever camera you've got at the moment, then, uh, then you can usually produce a pretty good shot. You just need to know what the limitations are. And this is what this blog's about. Not much ranting about the, uh, so much the bubble, but um, the cool thing is, is no matter what camera you have, I encourage you to get out in your local area and take photos. If it's a cell phone or if uh, whatever you've got, uh, point and shoot, get out there but the trick is is to actually get to know your machine know its limitations and low know what um what it can actually do and what it can't do some machines mostly sorry all machines have a different type of sensor and that size sensor makes a big difference so for cell phones the sensor is quite small and the sensor is the thing that captures the light the information that you put on it which is capturing your image so the bigger the sensor, the more information you can put on it. So uh, if you've got a cell phone, it's quite small. If you've got a full frame, then it's like a 35mm. And then if you've got a large format, then it's, it's quite big. And so you can capture lots more information, lots more detail. That means when you blow up the image to a big size, if you want to put it on the side of the building or something, then a large format camera will pay dividends and also the larger the sensor will make a difference if you are shooting at low light. You're more likely to have more noise at uh, low light. However, um, it's not about the camera. It's about what you shoot. And so as part of my uh, blogs, I look at these four facets and this is one of them. It's about equipment. And uh, on top of equipment, if you've got a camera that has interchangeable lenses like a DSLR, uh, then um, consider actually uh, getting better lenses rather than changing the camera. 
The glass in front of your camera does make a difference. So I particularly love prime lenses. They're my favorite uh, because they're a set focal, uh, they've got less elements and they tend to yield better results. Uh, zooms are good because they're uh, versatile, but with um, zooms, um, you can get a bit lazy. So anyway, the tricks is, is get to know your image, uh, get to, sorry, get to know your camera, get to know your machine, see what it can do. Um, and, um, and you wanna make sure that you maybe take a range of shots. So, and you'll see on my blog, I've taken a range of shots with one, two, three, four different cameras. So that'll give you an idea of different images of the same image. It was a quick unscientific test on there. So get to know your equipment, spend time getting to know it, like study the manual, read through it, um, play with different settings and evaluate your images. Um, record your settings. Um, and also, don't think that you need the most expensive kit. Don't sell your soul and go out there. Uh, make sure that you spend a little bit of time doing photography and then experiment and then you'll figure out what sort of photography you want and that might help you guide into what lenses or camera that you want. Yeah, and invest in good quality glass behind your camera, that always makes a difference. Anyway, that's uh, purely about photography, this one. And uh, enjoy the blog, and uh, kia kaha, all of you. Stay in your bubble and stay safe. How's Queenstown doing? Uh, Queenstown's, how is it doing? It's pretty tricky. Queenstown's in trouble. Um, it's its whole uh, industry has been pulled out from under it, and attempts to diversify they've had not a huge amount of success and where the town has economically diversified is in areas that are still kind of tourism related they're just different pockets like film industry or convention industry or even in some ways some parts of education so it's really its whole base is tourism it's a little bit, I suppose, of, um, of primary production, but not very much. So really, it's lost its whole economy. And uh, Jim Bolt, our mayor here, is very, very worried about up to 3,000 migrant workers who possibly aren't as um, well looked after in the government packages as, as, as others. They're really vulnerable, actually. And we still have um, shark landlords and people who are really not behaving well in, in the space and you know when they've got vulnerable people that they can exploit and uh, I don't think I'm overstating that so there's about 3,000 people which Jim has said is a humanitarian crisis coming yeah because that's tourism's not coming back at least not that's in a hurry tourism as we knew it is not coming back and I think a lot of Queenstown's pleased about that I, I think I haven't heard anybody say that they want to go back to what we had. I mean, the, the, the community's been so divided over things like expanding airports and um, rules that allow um, people to host Airbnbs in residential areas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Freedom camping. The list is legion of the impacts of uh, tourism that's kind of grown out of control and um, where the uh, Manakitanga is actually disappearing when you know the host communities have been upset and, and not willing to host um, the visitors in the way that they had previously so uh, basically we'd got to a place where um, tourism was low priced low value with low value jobs and um, 
that a lot of those jobs were done by immigrants because we changed the rules because New Zealanders couldn't couldn't do those jobs. They couldn't afford to basically. They couldn't be proper New Zealanders, you know, whatever they thought that that was, because uh, they couldn't make enough money and they didn't want to live 16 to a room and every night a fiesta. Uh, no way to bring up your children. So there's those those sorts of problems that had had really come to the fore, and the town was fed up with them. It really, really was, and not just Queenstown, Wanaka too, and the, the whole region very, very upset with where tourism had got to and where it was going and couldn't quite see a way out of that, which is why we had huge protests around the airport and freedom camping and all the other issues. But um, so now I think the town has, has heaved a huge sigh of relief and Monica, I think I can speak for that too, huge sigh of relief, that stopped, thank goodness. But what's next? And there'll be a lot of fear in that what's next because uh, uh, you've got no jobs. You've got construction, you know, you've got hotels being built that aren't, there's going to be no tourists to stay in them. There's just, it's just going to be so different. We don't even know if the ski areas will open this year. And so there'll be, a, there's a lot of fear and a lot of uh, pressure on people. You know, if, if, if you run a small cafe, um, I know two or three cafes that I go to a lot, those people, they're not, they're not wealthy people. Not a lot of money to be made. They're doing what they love, but it's, they're not wealthy people. And to, have to figure out now how they pay the rent, how, um, where, how, how what it even looks like in in stage three. What does that look like between stage four and stage three? Do you open? Are, are you are you risking going into lockdown again the next week? So how do you stock? How, what do you put in your your coolers? You know how do you staff? How do you do anything? Very 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 difficult for Queenstown businesses. So the small businesses are really badly affected. The big businesses too, you know, big businesses laying off huge amounts of people. So there's a lot of um, angst that, and people don't know what it's going to look like next week or the week after. So how and, do we, uh, yeah. how do we approach so, that with a positive mindset? I mean, we'd like to, we'd like to see that there's, there's an opportunity here for recreating a thriving society, but there's some big disruption to get over to get there. There's big disruption, and a big disruption, as you and I know, there's chaos. You have disruption, you have chaos until the human um, brain can catch up, and and that's what has to happen next. So each of these are going to have to come to their own deals, which will be pretty hard with their landlords, with their staff, and figure out how they're going to do anything at all, and then figure out new ways of doing things. And there's a lot of good people working in that. Uh, um, within the council, there's a, a really good team set up to look at it, and they're looking at ideas. And there's uh, there's applications gone in for infrastructure funds. The other thing about your tourism workers, they tend to be quite young and quite fit. So, from my perspective, looking at getting some sort of workforce core out into our environment, there's probably actually some really really good people around to do things like that. Business owners, they can't do that. That's a bit harder for them, and I don't know how. So we may be able to pick up uh, and sort of take a, a, a new direction around the conservation things, and that's what I'll be working on. But, um, you know, how do the cafe owners know what to do on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday next week and then the, the week after? So those, those are really, really hard for people to figure out how they're going to do it. But they're clever people, and I'm sure that they will. I think the big problem is going to be sorting out their fixed costs. If their fixed costs can be sorted out somehow, and I don't know what that's, those steps are, 
But if they can sort those out, I should think that they'll figure out ways to move into somewhere else. And I think if we can paint a vision of a regenerative outcome and maybe tourism of a different form, a lot of people are saying tourism's dead, but that's not easily accepted in this town. And I've been listening to people saying, no, it's not dead. It's just going to completely change. And there may, might be something in that. And uh, it's, I don't want to ever say, no, it's, you know, I don't want to disagree with what people fully think. Uh, and I, I, there's a lot of people out there that think there's a really good tourism um, industry to be had, but it doesn't look like the one we did have. So I have some questions to end with. And what's okay. the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Well, I suppose um, getting elected twice. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. That's if you call it a success. <laughs> so we're writing a book of these conversations over on Sustainable Lens. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. So you're in the mansion. What's your superpower? Communication, I think. Listening, talking. In that order. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I think I do. I didn't used to, but yes, I do now think of myself as an activist. What do you care about? I care about environmental issues. Environment and community is all I care about, really. Uh, yeah, that is looking after our soils, our air, our water, uh, those elements, reconnecting spiritually with them, um, finding that connection through our communities to our environment and looking after it from that perspective. So in all of the societal changes we've seen over the last month or so, what do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? I hope the idea that we were doing it wrong and we need to find a better and more regenerative way will stick. I really hope that sticks. My fear is that uh, the corporate structure will throw a lot of money and marketing and effort into sucking people back into the consumerist, wasteful um, rat race that people have been in. And I, I want people to reject that. It'll be interesting to see what the adverts look like in a month's time. Because watching the TV now, the adverts all seem wrong. Not just they the, are wrong. Not just showing people, you know, touching oh you can't do that or being in a large group but some of the, the messaging just doesn't seem right and will it ever seem right again i hope it doesn't that's the thought that we have to hold we have to build something better we've been given the opportunity i think it's going to be very difficult i don't believe it's going to be easy but um, the difficulty of controlling this virus may uh, allow us to actually let go of some of the trappings of our um our, our recent lives. So what challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? Pulling this off. <laughs> Pulling off. I, I, um, a, I don't particularly want to lead, but I want to be able to enable uh, a conservation core to get a, a, you know, a tiaki core, people that are out there in the environment working on working on these issues that we have and um, and loving it and learning the connections from that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Reject that 
consumerist society we've been part of, start to reconnect with your community and your people and your environment and move on into a new, much, much better world and start to make a much better economy that can help us thrive in that better world. Thank you very much for joining me. Excellent. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles and their safe spaces around the world. It's brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Lisa Mitchell. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, with Alexa Forbes in Queenstown. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.